This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now that promise belongs to all of us, but our guest today believes this promise is especially important for single adults who want to get married someday. This is Focus on the Family, hosted by Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I love talking with single adults, and on behalf of singles, about family formation. Because for the majority of singles, not everyone of course, but for the majority, marriage is going to be a big part of your future. And here at Focus, we want to encourage you in your journey to find a loving, godly spouse. That's the goal. And that's why we have our Boundless podcast and outreach to 20 and 30-something singles who want to honor God and how they live and think and interact with other believers. But also, as you begin dating and experiencing romantic relationships, it's important to know where you're headed. We also know we're talking to a lot of parents right now. I'm one of them who have young single adults in your family. And I'm another one of those. That's right. And today we have some valuable insights that I know you're going to want to pass along to them. Our guest is Gary Thomas. He's a prolific author and speaker and uh, really a thought leader in the areas of marriage and parenting and spiritual formation. And Gary has written, I think, at least 20 books, and one we're going to focus on today is called The Sacred Search, What If It's Not About Who You Marry, But Why? And uh, you can learn more about that book and get a copy from our website. Also learn about the boundless outreach that Jim mentioned. Um, Stop by FocusOnTheFamily.ca or call 800, the letter A in the word family. And Jim, here's how you began the conversation with Gary Thomas. Let me ask you a question. Let's get right into it. Uh, You share that you felt almost hypocritical when you wrote this book because you did a miserable job. Uh, practicing what you preach. I love that vulnerability. I feel sometimes <laughs> as a dad, I'm not doing it as well as I should as president of Focus on the Family. Yeah. So I share in your uh, your sorrow. But tell me why. Why did you feel you were being a hypocrite uh, when you were seeking your mate in Lisa? Well, when I look back at my high school and even college dating years, there's a lot I would rather my kids not do. You know, I think back to those old bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And I would joke with my kids, I want you to think back on what did dad do when he dated and do the opposite. Mm. Because I was, I was driven by infatuation. I think I was driven by other concerns that weren't spiritually based. Now, God in his enormous grace and kindness provided a a woman that has been a blessing for 28 years that I couldn't have dreamed of. But certainly the process to get there was broken. And I've seen so many people that went through a broken process and didn't end up with a mate that Mm. is an encourager, that is a godly person. And the challenge is, as you hinted at, this is such a consequential decision. A, A good marriage is like a gift that keeps on giving. I have been blessed literally every day of my life because of one decision I made as a single man that I wanted to marry Lisa. And I've seen others that have to carry a burden literally every day of their life 
because they made a foolish marital choice. Mm-hmm. You know, if you buy a house you don't like, well, you'll take a financial hit, but eventually you can save up and move into another neighborhood. If you get a car that's a lemon, you trade it in and you, you count your losses. Marriage isn't like that. It changes who you are. It becomes a part of your history, a part of your life. And, and if singles want to make one wise decision in their life next to becoming a Christian, this is the one that has to be thoughtful with their eyes wide open, with counsel, driven by the truth of Scripture, and not, frankly, I think, the many ridiculous and misleading messages that the world gives us. Well, you know, in part, you're talking about the distinction between covenant and contract, which you talk about with marriage. But you suggest that singles should ask themselves why they want to get married before they consider who they want to get married to. Um, you know, that takes a lot of maturity. I'm thinking myself when I was 23, 24, I don't know that I would have thought that through quite that, yeah. that way. Tell me why that's so important. Because most Christian singles today, I believe, value the same things about marriage as non-Christian singles. They haven't connected their faith with their romance and their view of marriage. So for them, the why of marriage is sharing an infatuation sharing sexual chemistry, enjoying each other's company on a date. Those are the things that most people are drawn to. And if those three things are present, they think, well, this is a a great match. And if they're a Christian, then what's the problem? Well, there's no other question. But those things have been proven not to hold a marriage together. You have to understand the why of marriage. Uh, Infatuation we'll get into neurologically is proven to always fade rather quickly. Sexual chemistry, though it's an important part of marriage, it doesn't hold a marriage together. And the fact that you get along well on a date, that you like the same movies and the same kind of pizza, it just doesn't factor in when you're going through raising kids together, suffering cancer, unemployment, building a life together. Those things that are culture values, that's not the why of marriage. Those things are passing. And so if we don't know the why, we can't know whether somebody qualifies as a good who? Uh, Gary, with that in mind, uh, should a couple wait a couple of years so that infatuation stage uh, passes them and their clarity comes and the fog of the moment uh, you know, dissipates? I'm asked that all the time, Jim. And here's the thing. The Bible doesn't give us a calendar, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to create one. Here's what I'm more concerned as a pastor when I meet with a couple. Are their eyes opened? For instance, if they can tell me the three major weaknesses of the person they want to marry— and I think that's an accurate depiction of what they're facing, then I think despite the fact that they're infatuated, they're making a wise decision. They're saying, you know what? I realize this is a challenge. This will be a challenge. This will be a challenge. And this is a strength. And this is a strength. And this is – I just want to see that they're living in a world called reality. (laughs) And if they're there, I think they can make a wise decision. Where I'm concerned is when it's clear the couple really doesn't know each other. They don't even know their weaknesses, and that's when I'm thinking they're not ready. Well, mm-hmm. and in that context, uh, Matthew 6.33, which John opened with, which is seeking God first, which is the bottom yes. line, you use that thread throughout your book to kind of bring people back to the anchor. Uh, I actually, interestingly enough, that's what I applied when I was single. That was mm-hmm. the very verse about wanting to do it God's way, mm-hmm. and uh, it was fabulous, and I met Gene in a very... I think, God-centric way. Um, You're striving for that, but is there only one person out there for me? No, and I think that's one of the most destructive myths that Christian singles are holding on to. Now, we sort of Christianize it as if God created one person just for us, but I found that leads people astray more than it's helpful. And the key verse in this, I believe, that's pretty 
definitive is 1 Corinthians 7.39 when Paul is talking to widows, but it also refers to single women. And first he discusses that singleness is an option and they might want to consider that. But then he says, if she wants to get married, that's fine. And this is a quote, she is free to marry anyone she wishes only in the Lord. Mm. So Paul is saying we're not to seek some fulfilled destiny. We're not supposed to try to second guess God. Mm. We're supposed to look on things like character. And that's where Proverbs comes in. And scripture is so helpful because Proverbs 31 lays it out entirely on the basis of character. It's telling men, a noble wife who can find, it says, you look for this, 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 and this, not a sense of destiny, not trying to second guess God, but this is what a good woman is. This is what you do not want to be led astray with. First Corinthians 7, going back to that, Paul says we want to marry for the sake of righteousness. If a guy is in a dating relationship or he's got a series of dating relationships, he's not behaving himself sexually, he says to him, go ahead and get married. In other words, get married for the sake of righteousness because you want to live a righteous life. Nowhere in Scripture is this sense that there's just, we've got to find the one out of seven billion people on the face of the earth that God has created just for us. Okay, but we've got this infatuation now. Let's come back to okay. that because it seems so natural. Yes. Uh, when you're single and you're saying, Lord, okay, I feel like you're allowing me to seek a mate and that's what you want me to do. And I certainly am grateful for that, Lord. And you start looking. How, again, do you get the handle on this distinction between infatuation and doing it in such a way that is uplifting righteousness. It seems to me those can be in conflict at times because infatuation, that's the, the mechanism that God has put in us to draw us together, and then we've got to move it quickly to something else. In fact, you say in your book that infatuation only lasts maybe 12 to 18 months. Uh, describe that. I mean, most of us won't even understand that, yeah. but that's what's happening to us biochemically, right? It is, actually, and for some it would be less than that. We're all we all have different brain mappings, I guess would be the best way to describe it. For some, it might not even last that long. But even then, uh, if you look at a brain under a scope, an infatuation at, say, 13 months is demonstrably different than one at six months. And if we're not aware of this, see, we spent so much time teaching singles to be good stewards of their sexual purity, which we need more of, not less. I'm a big fan of that. But I don't believe we've taught Christian singles as much to be stewards of their emotional health. They don't understand agree. how transcendent infatuation feels. It carries you away. And yet neurologists now, because we know so much more about the brain in this generation than any previous age, that it literally makes us blind. That statement, love is blind, is true. Mm. We literally start to relate to somebody who doesn't exist. The mm. term neurologist uses idealization. And so we see strengths that others wouldn't pick up. You know, somebody does something innocuous, a, a guy in a gallery in a college cafe, she drops a fork and he picks it up instead of just leaving it there. And she's overcome. Look, he picked up the fork. He's so <laughs> kind and thoughtful. He doesn't leave it for other people. And, I, you know, next to Jesus Christ, I don't know anyone with this character that has ever walked the earth and everybody else is like he just picked up the fork what's the big deal <laughs> and then this is just as destructive they miss the negative clues mm. he's an angry person and she redefines it as passionate and what every pastor and counselor has heard so often when somebody's been carried away by infatuation into a long-term commitment is five six years later he's not who i thought he was mm. 
And that's a true statement. They mm-hmm. related to somebody who didn't exist. They created somebody else in their mind. And, and that's what singles have to watch out for. There has to be sufficient time to you get through that brain fog mm-hmm. and you can have an accurate picture of who really am I relating to. Uh, we've described infatuation, but I'm still not sure on what the definition is. What does it mean to be infatuated? Yeah. Dr. Helen Fisher's a biological anthropologist, and she's actually studied this. And, and here's some key markers for somebody who's head over heels in infatuation. Part of what I just said, that you tend to focus on your beloved's better traits and you minimize their flaws. You can have extreme energy, even hyperactivity and sleeplessness. Uh, one or both partners develops a goal-oriented fixation on winning the beloved. In vernacular language, what I'd say is you're so focused on getting and keeping the person, you don't have any neurological energy left over to think, are they worth getting? Are mm-hmm. they worth keeping? It's just, I want to get the goal. And really what I think uh, another way to describe is that it makes you feel desperate, fearful, and clingy. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and put it makes all the you research write aside. poetry. <laughs> yes. You're afraid that they won't love you back. You mm-hmm. feel desperate to win them and clingy to make sure they don't get away. But again, it doesn't have to be uh, kind of described all negatively because God has put that mechanism in us to draw us to each other, that infatuation. There's got to be a healthy element to it. Well, God designed infatuation. He designed our brains. It has a good creational purpose. It's just we have to know it's not a good enough reason to marry someone. If you know it can't last more than 12 to 18 months, why would you connect yourself to someone for five or six Decades. One of the saddest things I've heard as a pastor is a woman who admitted she got married primarily on infatuation. They got married too quickly. She said, Gary, we had a great nine months. We haven't had a good nine weeks since. Wow. Let me drill into that because there was a statement in your book that really caught my attention and it fits right here. You said, just because you're in love with someone doesn't mean you should seriously consider marrying them. That sounds so contradictory. (laughs) What in the world are you talking about? I know it sounds bizarre, but just let me tell the singles. Here's a woman who had been through two divorces already and they were painful divorces. I mean, the guys had cheated on her. They'd Mm. gotten a little rough with her. I mean, just horrendous situations. She's with a third guy worried that maybe he wasn't as committed to her as she was to him. And she wanted my advice. And she began to describe some things that alarmed me. One, she caught him on the phone telling another woman, not his sister, not his mom, that he loved her. That's a big red flag. He could be somewhat emotionally abusive in a way that would send her into crying fits. And as she's just describing the dynamics of this relationship, I'm thinking, why are you in this relationship? I mean, I, I, I just said, he seems to me very similar to the guys that you had this problem with before. I said, Gary, you don't understand. I am deeply and passionately in love with him. So I took a deep breath and I said, were you in love with your first husband? Oh, absolutely. I was devastated when he left me. W- what about your second husband? Oh, yeah, it, it was different, but yeah, very much so. Hmm. And I said, finally, maybe you need to find a reason other than being in love to marry someone because it's led you to two bad relationships. It might lead you into a third. It's leading you to men that aren't healthy for you, that aren't good for you. But because it's so ingrained in our mind that if we feel this head over heels in love, we don't even question whether we should marry him. That's what we value most. And even a woman who had been burned twice living by that philosophy was ready to make a third decision on the same basis. We just can't let it go. 
This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. At Focus on the Family Canada, we're always seeking to meet the changing and growing needs of your family. That's why we've developed our free Focus on the Family magazine. It's spiritually grounded and relevant to your needs. Get your free subscription at focusonthefamily.ca. Find parenting tips, practical marriage guidance, useful advice on media, and encouraging ways to help your family grow in Christ. Sign up for your free subscription of Focus on the Family magazine today. Visit focusonthefamily.ca. Looking for advice on how to become a better parent? Or perhaps some tips on keeping your relationship with your spouse fresh and exciting? Focus on the Family Canada invites you to join listeners from across the country as they tune into the daily broadcast with Jim Daly and John Fuller. Get the free app for your Apple, Android, or Windows mobile device and receive inspirational, godly encouragement when you need it most. Get the free app today at focusonthefamily.ca slash mobile or visit your Apple, Google, or Windows app store. Are you a pastor or ministry leader? Are you thinking of making a transition from your current ministry position? Before you do, take some time in a quiet place to reconnect with God. Focus on the Family Canada has designed a renewal retreat for couples in ministry. Come visit us at Carith Retreats, a quiet sanctuary where you can receive from God and deepen your connection to Him, your spouse, and your calling. Find rest, find renewal, find reconnection with God. Find out more at carithretreats.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Gary, you talked about a study uh, that really showed the value that women in particular place on romantic love. And it seems like there have been some changes over the years in that regard. Uh, there have been. And when you look historically, just a few gen- couple generations ago, if you presented to a woman, a guy has this trait, this trait, this trait, this trait, but you don't have that over-the-top, weak-in-the-knee feeling of infatuation, would you marry him? And I don't remember the exact number, but it was over 80% that said yes. Nowadays, less than 10% would wow. say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been pushed back on this. It's interesting at a college setting, a woman said to me, young woman said to me, Gary, let's be honest. Don't you want them to be in love with the man on their wedding day? And I said, you know, I get what you're saying. And in a perfect world, romance is a wonderful thing. I think it's good that we celebrate it. But here's the thing. I want to be walking my daughter down the aisle toward a man that she respects. Because respect is something that grows. If he's a respectable man, her affection for him will increase. I want her to walk down the aisle toward a man who's pursuing God because his wisdom will grow, his character will grow. There'll be more of him to love and appreciate. I want her to walk down the aisle toward a man who will die for his family, who will be Mm -hmm. engaged with her kids because when she has kids, she's going to care for them in a way she can't even imagine caring for those kids now. And the thing that will thrill her heart the most is if he's involved and there for her family. And I said, I want her to marry a man who is so strong and selfless in his love that if she gets cancer and loses all her hair, he will kiss her bald head and make her believe she is the most beautiful woman on the face of the earth. Mm. And I said, if she's walking up the aisle toward a man like that and doesn't have a lot of feelings, I'm going to say, honey, it really doesn't matter. But if I'm walking her up the aisle toward a man who has none of that, but she says she's head over heels, I'll be doing my best to pull her out the back door. <laughs> Because those are things that don't last. Character is something that lasts. Gary, I've got to ask, though. I'm the single, and I'm, again, seeking the mate. And what you're saying, theoretically, it's resonating with me. I get it. I understand it. 
But how do I truly learn to develop that ability to place character over infatuation when you just told me a little while ago that infatuation makes me blind and stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how am I going to learn to do that? What are the hooks that I can okay. say, okay, I'm 25, I'm falling in love, I'm not sure if he's got the character that I want. How do I learn to put character above infatuation? One, recognize what infatuation is doing to you. Uh, it makes you vulnerable and stupid. And so just enjoy the feeling, but recognize I'm very vulnerable to my feelings. I'm really, literally, I don't mean this negatively, but I'm, I'm acting kind of stupid. I'm a, I, I don't see things. So seek counsel. Uh, seek those character-based traits. And I hope we have time to get into it. I'd like to say, I think, eight character traits that are essential for us to be and for us to look for for a successful marriage. If we're talking about the why of marriage, if infatuation isn't enough, what can we look for? And, and then you go through that list and then you can begin to see, okay, this makes sense because it's perfectly possible to become infatuated with somebody who would be sterling marriage material. But you're right, just not the, marrying them because of the infatuation. Right, it can happen that way. Um, Gary, let's also come back to this idea of finding the number one person. That mm -hmm. God has selected one person for me, and i got to find that girl or that guy. Uh, you kind of do a little shift on the acronym, uh, the soul mate. You move from S-O-U-L to S-O-L-E. Uh, what do you mean in your book about the soul, S-O-L-E, mate? Well, the reason I debunk the soulmate, S-O-U-L, is that it comes from Plato, not Scripture. He really is the one who surmised that what he says in his book Symposium, he has a character named Aristophanes, who said that there's this ancient prototype human that was male and female together. They called them round people. And the problem is that they were becoming too powerful and threatening the gods. So Zeus came up with the plan. I'm going to cut them in two, separate the two halves. They'll be so desperate to find their missing half that they won't have anything left over to challenge the gods. Then once they find each other, they'll be so clingy and desperate to stay together that they'll leave us alone. And that's what Zeus did. And thus the gods were saved. And nobody believes that worldview now, but we still have this sense that there's this one lost person that will connect us. The biblical worldview couldn't be more different. The biblical worldview is not that I'm incomplete because I've been separated from an ancient half-human. It's that I've been separated from God by my sin. Hmm. And, and so I'm not finding someone to complete me. I'm finding someone with whom I can share my love with God, with whom I can share the journey toward learning to love other people, with whom I can share Matthew 6.33, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so soulmate, S-O-L-E, is just walking out the biblical commands of loving, walking out the biblical command of serving God together that just staves off the boredom that affects so many relationships that are self-centered. Uh, Gary, we're coming in for a landing. And uh, when I think back on this conversation thus far, some people could think that is a really unromantic approach to marriage. You've told us basically uh, the person you love doesn't necessarily need to be the person you marry that, uh, you know what, you got to beware of infatuation because it makes you blind and stupid. <laughs> and, and then you get down to it and you're going, seek out character over attraction, really. That's the bottom line of what you're saying. Uh, speak to that person why what you have said, it, it seems counterintuitive to your emotions, but it is right on the mark when it comes to what God wants in your life. 
Jim, it goes back again to the why. I think of the Mother's Day card that I wrote for my wife the last Mother's Day, just thanking her for what she's invested in our kids. My anniversary, thanking her for how she stood behind me and beside me and with me all those years. Marriage is very difficult. Mm. I mean, life throws stuff at you every day, and romance can't survive that. But when you have a strong sister or brother in the Lord that that is there beside you, that has your back, that is a rock. I, I think of a woman I'll never forget. She had gone through so many medical crises in her life, it would make you want to cry that one woman had to go through all of that in one lifetime. And she said, but Gary, I can't tell I don't know how I would have gotten through this without my husband. He held my hair back while I was vomiting. He made me feel like I was the most beautiful woman on the earth when I felt like I was the ugliest because of the treatments I was going through. Next to becoming a Christian, marrying him was the best decision I ever could have made. And what she said is that life has been very, very difficult, but it's been better because she chose a good man to walk through this life with. Singles have no clue what they face up ahead. They don't know the trials or the challenges. But here's what God says. I'm going to let you choose who you face those challenges with. I'm going to let you choose who you walk through those trials with. And what will matter most is faith and character, being filled with the Spirit, having the wisdom of Scripture, invested in your family. In the end, that's what creates the most rewarding life. Jesus knew what he was talking about with Matthew 6.33. If we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things that we desire, those will be taken care of Mm. if we keep our priorities first. The why really does matter to answer the who. Well, Gary Thomas, author of the book, The Sacred Search. This has been a great start to the discussion, but uh, we've got more questions. In fact, I want to start next time with this one, Winning the Romance Lottery. And uh, let's go there. And can you just stay with us? And we'll keep going. Okay, let's do it. John, I so appreciate the passion and wisdom that Gary brings to this topic. He wants to help couples live godly lives, starting from day one in their relationship. And I think he's also challenging those of us who've been married for several years or even decades to do uh, better. We must continue to live out our faith in the ways we serve and love and treasure our spouse. I would say, first and foremost, that's where it starts, because the world is watching to see if what we say and what we do uh, lines up with uh, our faith. I want to encourage our listeners to get a copy of Gary's book. If you're considering marriage in the future, you need this resource, and if you're already married, Pass it along to a single adult or an engaged couple that you know, and maybe you're even mentoring. Uh, You can order the Sacred Search directly from Focus on the Family Canada. And when you do, a part of those proceeds will go right back into strengthening marriages, equipping parents, and helping uh, single adults grow in their faith. So please, give generously to Focus Canada today. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. That's 800-232-6459. Or donate online and learn more about these resources at focusonthefamily.ca. 
And John, at the beginning of the program, I mentioned our Boundless podcast. Uh, It's also a broadcast, by the way. Our colleague, Lisa Anderson, heads up this amazing outreach to single adults. And if you're looking for a tight-knit, supportive group that's dedicated to following Christ, Boundless is for you. Boundless will challenge your preconceptions and hold you accountable to the truth. And you'll find a lot of solid, godly friends there. And parents, this is where you want to send your young adults who are in that 20 to 30-something age group. Boundless is a wonderful community of faith for them. Yeah, check it out, and we'll post a link at our website, focusonthefamily.ca. Coming up next time, more insights from Gary Thomas about singles looking for the perfect spouse. I'm trying to take on, I think, a popular myth in Christian culture, and it goes like this. God will bring the right person at the right time if I just sit back and wait. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.